Welcome, everybody. I'm happy to see you. And I'd like to make it clear some of my friends, noble friends, have um, confessed to me that they sometimes turn off their computers. And I imagine that they're in a state of deep samadhi, but they're actually getting snacks and doing things like that. And first of all, I want to welcome you to do what you need to do, but do try to sit, to try to sit, even if it feels uncomfortable, because um, it will pay off. It will pay off. And um, last week we touched on uh, what it would be like to be trapped in a subway car. This was a, an analogy that was offered by the Buddhist scholar Robert Thurman for the Bodhisattva way of life. And uh, our friend Kent sent me an episode of The Odd Couple where Felix and Oscar are trapped on a subway car. And I briefly considered screening it, but I decided it might take us too far afield. But the point of that wonderful illustration is just imagine what it's like. You're hot, you're tired, and you're trying to get somewhere. You're, you're desperately eager to get where you really want to go. And in order to get there, you have to endure this passage on the subway. And it's hot, and I don't know if it's flooded, but it's certainly unpleasant. And think of your state of mind. What is your state of mind? You're thinking ahead to your true life. Your true life. And you're doing your best to stay, stay with that and not even pay attention to who's around you. The less attention, the better. And so if you find yourself stuck, and this has happened, to most of us who live in the city, suddenly you're stuck. And you look around and imagine, let's not say forever, but imagine that you're going to be stuck with these characters for a long, long time. And you notice something. And this was the point of the story. Suddenly, there's a shift in your perspective. You're shifting from looking ahead, being completely self-contained, self-isolated, thinking about your real life, all that stuff that we, we, we feel stressed about or yearning for that, as Rumi said, it makes us a little furnace. I love that word, this furnace of yearning and desire. And all of a sudden, when you get the news that you're stuck, you're not going anywhere. What happens? Something settles down and opens up. You look at the people around you, and, and if you saw somebody freaking out, you would do your best to soothe them because it would affect the whole car. If somebody looked completely parched, you'd find water or share it. And then I started thinking, reflecting, what if all those people in the subway car were you at different times? 
So you look over in the corner. I'm using myself as an example, so I'm saying she. And there's this lonely young woman reading this battered, probably tear-stained copy of Anna Karenina, the loneliest novel in the world. And she's lonely, and she's reading her pathetic, dog-eared copy of Anna Karenina. And that was Tracy. And and you look over in another corner, and maybe there is a tired young mother with a little kid. And maybe there's somebody who's really angry and yelling, or someone who's clearly, clearly had too much to drink. Also me. I hate to disillusion you, but there it is. And 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 just suddenly let yourself be touched by the fact that the Ruben asked me tomorrow to talk about past lives, that we have all lived past lives, many lives in this life, in this life. And let yourself, even as you listen to me for these few minutes, relax enough to feel that much of what we do is try to outrun the people we used to be. That those selves, that lonely young woman who was made from rejection, or, you know, that angry person who was hurt and outraged because of some injustice. And that we let yourself be touched by the truth that all these feelings have passed through you, have passed through me. And that we have made selves out of those feelings. We have held them close. And sometimes quietly determined that nobody was going to see those selves. As best as we could manage, we would be a new and improved version of the person we used to be. And then I began to realize that the true gift of this practice is that it gently invites us to feel our feelings. We've all heard this a million times. We've said it. But in the simplest way, I always loved in this practice the way they would equate feeling with sensation. Feeling sensation. So you would shift from naming anger, grief, or jealousy, or rejection, whatever it is, and you would simply feel it in the body as a sensation that was pleasant or unpleasant or just neutral. It became something that we feel. And still, that helped me see how much I don't want to feel unpleasant and difficult things. And I do all kinds of things, we all do, to not feel them, to distance myself from them. And pleasant feelings, I'm kind of wary about them too. I don't quite trust that they're going to last. And so, and, and neutral feelings, I don't even notice. So again and again, the practice, even as we sit here right now, is layers of just plain feel how it feels to be sitting here right now, without even trying to label or name. And begin to allow yourself to know that 
this is a practice that begins to align ourselves with the seer, that compassionate seer and sensor. Who all this stuff is flowing through me. Uh oh, uh oh, here comes a really icky, horrible feeling. I thought I was done with it, but here it comes. And it has carbuncles of other bad feelings on it. It's grown even more grotesque and frightening. Uh oh. And the practice is to just feel it, knowing that there is this person in the subway car of myself who is completely caring, kind, just witnessing this, knowing that I'm not just that, knowing that one day, one day, I was going to finish Anna Karenina. I was going to get to the last page, and I was going, my life would change. And so it's a great irony that being still lets us begin to see how fluid we truly are. And moment by moment, without rush or pressure, we discover that we're not just our feelings. We're not just our worst feelings. We're not our best and most cherished feelings. We begin to see that they're constantly flowing. That they're constantly changing. And that we're more than that. And more than all the strategies that we've devised for, for distancing ourselves or controlling them. And the, the Tibetan Buddhist monk, Matthew Ricard, who is actually a French citizen, but he became a, a Tibetan Buddhist monk of great renown because he was the one they wired up to uh, get the brains of meditators, once said in a book that the ego is a defense against pain which I think is a pretty good definition. I'm not a professional or a doctor, but in my living experience, I am multiple selves, multiple selves. And one of those selves is constantly at work defending me and protecting me and and thinking up all kinds of ways to make me more presentable. But the gift of the practice is to do just the opposite. So that this week, for example, the last two weeks, I've been letting myself feel fear. Fear. Not, and I'm saying this knowing that some of us have experienced significant trauma. So I'm not um, encouraging you to feel your worst fear and let yourself be flooded with emotion. But just as it arose, I would take uh, a little bit of, I would feel a little bit of fear around seeing people, loving people, but also this fear, and just feel the experience. Just feel it without that self who's so good at protecting me. And I discovered that just feeling it, I discovered it's also tenderness. That thing that I call fear vibrates with a tenderness and eagerness, a kind of happy willingness. So, and my point isn't to describe just my own feeling, but to invite you as we go to sit to see that there's always a deeper truth. 
if we simply allow ourselves to feel what presents itself moment by moment by moment. And when you forget, that's okay. Just come back again to the sensation of the body. Or if you turn off your camera and go to the refrigerator, that's okay. Come back with compassion towards yourself, knowing that what we're doing together is cultivating an intention and a capacity to be present for the flow of our own life. Discovering that we're not just our feelings, we're also, and not just our attachment and avoidance, we're also an attention that sees with kindness and curiosity. We're that really, really kind person in the subway car. So, so let's sit, let's sit and take a comfortable seat, as comfortable as you can be with your back straight and letting your face relax. And just feel, let yourself feel the weight of the body. And notice, notice what's going on inside. Sensations and feelings and thinking. And let everything be there and just see them without getting sucked into the stories they tell. Just notice feeling, sensing, thinking. And you'll see that it's the tendency of the mind to take off, to go into thinking. And we see this without comment and gently come home again to the sensation of being present in a body. And notice that stillness is acceptance. Complete acceptance of what is.
can see that you can come back to sensation anytime. Without striving for a perfected state, just resting in what is. Letting yourself sink and settle into sensation. Notice that a presence is also here inside. And also outside. Resting in stillness, let yourself notice how things change. Feelings, thoughts, sensations, impressions.
beginning to remember the vibrancy inside you, the life, the sensitivity. Notice how it feels to accept everything you see and sense without clinging. Just letting it be and then coming back to sensation, back to awareness that's kind. And you may notice that feelings give way to other feelings. Joy can appear, spaciousness, just for a moment. Let everything happen to you, resting in presence.
and notice how it feels to have everything, everything be acceptable, worthy of interest and kindness. And when you find yourself thinking, and you will, gently come back to the body, to the present. And notice how it feels to be seen with curiosity and acceptance. giving yourself permission to be just like this.
thank you for your practice, your or your intention to practice. And um, if you have questions or observations, reflections about this practice, we'd love to hear from you. And you don't have to raise your hand. Just please feel free to speak. Tracy, it's Louise. I, I loved the exercise we did at the picnic yesterday and I kind of felt connected to the group. Back, legs, arms, lungs and heart in a different way. Having done that, and it, and then I thought of the subway car is also the body that the they're all one body, and it's like we're on the subway car, but we're we're already stopped in our sangha. We're already seeing each other with that clarity. So that was a lovely um, story. Thank you. Well, thank you for that observation because um, we are all on the same subway car. And I, it really is interesting to know that there's something in us and as awkward as Zoom can be and as wonderful as it can be to be in person and we're slowly working our way back, that there's something inside no matter what the conditions. That, that seeks this kind of stillness with others and alone, but with others. There's something in us seeks sangha, company, but also the state of being with ourselves in a, a different way not constantly running, trying to outrun our past mistakes or endlessly perfecting and seeking, but something hungers to just be, to just rest in presence and be seen. Don't you think so? There's acceptance has this almost magical power in a way. And we begin to see that what we do together and alone isn't so much trying to eliminate all pain as to allow it to be transformed so that we can see, like I was saying, that under fear, there can be tenderness. Under anger, there can be sorrow. We're letting things open and reveal themselves to us. And it's interesting because it's almost always good news. The thing that we fear turns out to have something to offer us that, that's quite wonderful. Tenderness, availability. You see, I really love the subway, the different narratives within a life, but a the culture in which we're formed also has a narrative. And I'm wondering how, uh, you know, we can um, examine that culture through historical narrative and historical analysis. And we know that that dominant culture benefited some and harmed others. But even when we do that work of kind of a reparative justice, we might default to implicit bias. How can we use mindfulness as a tool to not default to implicit bias and to do more of that reparative justice work? Well, first we see, and like sitting, um, before I came on here, I uh, read this quote from Borges, 
the author who said, I don't think I am one person, or I'm paraphrasing. I don't think there is an I. I think that I'm every book I read that I loved. I'm every woman I loved. I'm every city I visited. And, it, you know, he said it more elegantly, but his, his point is true for all of us that we're full of ideas and impressions and whole selves that come to us from the culture, they come to us from the people we've known, they come to us from great films that we've loved and books that we've read. And our practice is to see, oh, look at this, look at this, and see with a willingness and a patience, it's a work of great patience, that there are levels and layers and strata to us so that there's like a thought stream that can be very superficial and that can include opinions and bias and then there can be deeper uh, feelings and sensations that are much closer to the body and they can feel quite primal sometimes we can have a primal fear of death, of, of impermanence. And so, um, you know, not to try to itemize it, but we need to see before we can do. And I think that in terms of when, I love the word justice because also think of an artist doing justice in whatever medium. What is it like to be true to life? To render or hold something in its true complexity? And this is our work when we sit. And as we begin to see that, as we begin to be able to accept that, I think then we can begin to go out in the world and do less harm. Yeah, more seeing, less doing. because then we'll respond. If I'm like on the subway car again, and I'm in touch with myself, um, I'm turning my attention to myself and feeling my own heartbreak or um, fear or whatever is coming up. And I'm with, uh, with sensation, with acceptance, I can be with the person across from me in a different way. I become safer to be with because I'm not just being unconsciously triggered. This is work, it accepts. We completely accept that we have personalities and they're full of very intricately wired uh, triggers of all kinds. And we're complicated and we accept that. And we look at it with great gentleness and compassion. It's like we're not running from the truth anymore. We're stopping running and we're turning to accompany ourselves with attention at moments we forget. But in those moments when we do, we're not gonna be as automatic as we were. Ah, hi, that's beautiful. Um, so I'm uh, doing what I'm doing. 
um, looking at Maureen's dog and projecting lots onto the dog. And that is what I'm wanting help with in my practice. I am getting a puppy and I am trying to just let myself go into this puppyhood with just the puppy being a puppy as opposed to my projections. And I know that I'm perfectly imperfect, so I'm gonna keep doing it, but it's, it's almost painful. Like this is just a dog that is, has its own soul and own being and all my projections are, is gonna make everything much more complicated in be, <laughs> being with a new puppy. And besides which it could be a beautiful experience which I'm not in, at all in touch with because I'm so doing that. Yeah. I'm really, are you finished? Have you finished? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Finished. I'm really glad you said that because this is what we're always doing. We're, we're always trying to fix our, fix ourselves. And like, you know, Oh, I know I can, now I'm not going to project anymore or less, or they'll just be nice projections. And, and, um, and this is just what's happening. Like now everybody's looking at the dog in Maureen's box <laughs> and, or maybe not, but um, this is a practice for really accepting what is happening period. And the puppy is going to come and you don't know what's going to happen. Unexpected things are going to happen. Pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. Guaranteed. And we have a dog trainer in the house, but even without consulting his expertise, I can tell you it will be unexpected. And this is a practice for accompanying ourselves with the unexpected. We're shifting subway car again. You're, we're always living like, I've got to get to my real life. We undertake spiritual practice in the hope that will help us penetrate to our real life and get rid of all this stuff that gets in the way the distractions and the things that haunt us so we can get to that. And then the subway car stops and we discover that all along the practice and life has been about being with what is unfolding moment by moment by moment. Because the really beautiful things that are going to happen with that puppy cannot be predicted. Just like even in the space of sitting, there can be a tiny moment of joy and spaciousness. Who saw that coming? Because you were so dedicated to your grief. I'm not saying you, but you know, one can think, oh, I'm, you know, this is this heavy feeling is the the bottom floor. And then suddenly for a moment, space, light, joy. And you'll find yourself in, it's not on like a baby or anything else thinking, I really hate this puppy. This is the worst decision I ever made. And then in spite of this thought stream, this story, there can be this beautiful moment where you're relating to this little dog and it's like, wow. And what we do in our practice is very slowly without rush, just cultivate a capacity to be present more often for those moments. That are just beyond calculation. Life has a dimension. Like, and when you think of being with a baby and, and, or, you know, an animal or a human baby or a friend, 
suddenly, just for a moment, you can feel or glimpse the true dimension of life and realize that this majesty is here. And I've been in my head. And then it passes. Yeah. Uh, the w- one thing that I really love, I mean, not just one thing, but one, one of the things that I'm taking away is that part about we're not getting ready for real life. We're in it. <clears throat> I love hearing that. That was so all the moments of this puppy experience. It, it's all it. Yeah. 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 And here's an interesting exercise as we come towards the end. Think about, and I don't mean rack your brains on the spot, but when you were 12, what did you project your life would be? Or 18 or 26? And really don't go back because that's an awful lot of mem- misery to go. <laughs> or, or delusion, you know, uh, grandeur, um, but that you can very quickly see that these storylines that we've had for ourselves have really never included what turns out to be most precious, most alive. And the damnedest thing about life is that those alive moments usually happen on the subway car or not the subway car on a summer evening, just randomly, sitting with friends or alone in nature. We're making ourselves available to life, to our lives. And it's so, so helpful to, I don't mean to talk so much, but to remember that we're not perfecting ourselves. We're seeking to perfect our attention, to let it, be present more often in our life. To shift our interest to that awareness, that attention. And don't, I hope you do practice sitting, all of you, but even when you're not sitting, just invite yourself to stop and check in with yourself during the day. Even in the midst of a traffic jam, some hellacious mess. Just come home and make it simple. Just know that you're knowing. Just for a moment. And don't make it amount to a much. Cultivate the intention to return and with a spirit of acceptance. And kindness. I just wanted to say something quickly about the subways to complete the thought. I've been writing them for 40 years now, I just realized. And it's been interesting over the years to see what's changed and what's stayed the same. I'm not sure if I know what's stayed the same, but what's changed is that the subway is always a theater of uh, personal space in the sense that it's people, that it, it's people negotiating their own personal spaces. Um, I remember right after 9-11, the way that people moved in the subway and moved out of the way for each other became very different and much more guarded. They stayed in place much more. Uh, now, everyone, all, the majority of people are on their phones um, or you'll see two people sharing a phone, looking at the same thing. Um, 
you know, I remember many things that have happened, but I also just, you know, the, the loveliest thing I ever saw on the subway was I was, there was a, a young man and a young woman, I think she was seated, he was standing over her and they were riding and then they just suddenly broke into the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet. Wow. And it was unbelievable. And the fact that they were doing it unexpectedly and publicly gave it, had it, you know, that's, that's what caused it to rise. And they said, we're Shakespeare in the subways. We'll see you now and then. And then they got off at the next stop. <laughs> that's awesome yeah. and thank you it's a perfect note to end on because it's quite true that that kind of beauty and majesty and heart can break out anywhere and it can break out in you in all of us and yeah that's so cool that you saw that. I'm gonna think about that. So let's let's take our seat. That's a beautiful thing to think about. To think that, um, because this is who we are. And let our eyes close and be comfortable. That in a moment, with a, the gift of attention, we go from we might find ourselves unpromising, in a hurry, disappointing. And in a moment, Romeo and Juliet, beauty, love, fineness. We put two hands together in our heart space and we dedicate this practice not just for ourselves, but including ourselves to the benefit, the welfare, and the freedom of all beings everywhere without exception. May all beings everywhere be safe and protected from harm and danger. May all beings everywhere Note their true beauty and worth. May all beings everywhere have ease of well-being. May all beings everywhere, including ourselves, be free inside and outside. Totally free. so much for your practice and your presence and thank you. Thank, thank you thank you to all of you who give donations it's very generous and much appreciated and take good care of yourselves and i'll see you on wednesday or at the ribbon if you'd like to come tomorrow and uh bye bye <laughs>